Society 13 Podcast Network Redefining Podcasts Society-13.com I like to listen You want to see something really scary? You bet Music Horror Art Politics And overall badass Welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio For real Society 13 Networks. And now your host, David Fairhead. Welcome, folks, friends, and fiends to Kettle Whistle Radio. You probably recognize that riff you just heard in the intro here. Uh, that is the beginning of Sympathy for the Devil by Screw. That is their version of it. And I used to use that on a little show called Red Horse Radio as my intro when I did that with John, Dr. John Towers, who is also on the society-13network.com. Um, with his show, The Abacracks, now. So, yes, he's still operating, and he I was allowed to use that riff. However, I'm curious to see how our guest today will feel about that after he hears this, that I was using that riff <laughs> about seven years ago as the beginning of the show Red Horse Radio, where I got my start. Um, but it is the creepiest version of Sympathy for the Devil, I feel, and that is Screw Kids with, with a K, S-K-R-E-W. And I have my new co-host here, Sean Feldbush on the line, um, and we, uh, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gotten Mr. Adam Grossman from Screw to come on, and you're going to be hearing from Adam uh, a little later on here after we play a bit and talk a bit. Um, uh, Sean, I want to thank you for uh, introducing me to, well, just the fact that we can get Mr. Grossman, and uh, we did a pre-recorded show, which you're about to hear after our little, a little talk here, and Sean, how did you uh, feel about the whole thing? I thought the interview uh, went great. Um you know, Adam, we talk about a lot of different things throughout the career of Screw and, uh, you know, how Screw kind of turned into what it was and uh, where it got the name and uh, just kind of went through the whole history, tried to do a, you know, a full interview of the, uh, the entirety of the band. So I, I thought it went great. He was, a, you know, very humble, gracious artist and uh, mm-hmm. very easy to talk to. And he uh, admitted to a lot of things, one of which being that he basically was the man behind Screw. It was his baby with a revolving door of uh, artists that worked with him. And uh, since the early 90s, um, I think he even said it was the late 80s when he started playing. Um, but they, the Screw's been around as far as I know with the, the first uh, album, Burning in Water, Drowning in Flame. Uh, I, I picked it up in like 90, 91. And uh, they're going, they put an album out in 2014. And there's a new one coming out. Uh, well, some new project coming out. I, we, he, he'll hit on that. But we play a song from each of the albums. Um, so, yes, there's more music on this one than ever before. Uh, starting off with Sam I Am, which you'll hear first, followed by Seated. Um, uh, Sam I Am off Shadow of a Doubt. And uh, Seated is off of Dusted. And uh, Dusted actually got some airplay on Beavis and Butthead, which I didn't get to talk to Adam about. I don't know if you remember that, Sean. Yeah, I think uh, I think they played uh, Picasso Trigger off yep. that album on Beavis and Butthead. Picasso Trigger, and they kind of liked it, then they tore it apart. But you know what? If you get on Beavis and Butthead, you're going to sell records. 
But <laughs> exactly. I, I was going to ask Adam, but I didn't get to that that question. But we got to a lot of other in depth questions. Um, and I, we were talking, Sean, uh, the difference between sounds between albums, and uh, you have a favorite and one that just kind of takes a twist, a completely different way. Uh, you said Dusted was your favorite. Yeah, Dusted's probably one of my favorites, but I actually like um, Angel Seed too. The uh, the well, last album when yeah. they, when they broke up in '98, and then of course they eventually got back together. But um, you know, I, I like that album a lot too because it's kind of dirty and you know the sound kind of changed and uh, it's 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 a little more uh, it's a bit different, but it's uh, um, you know kind of meaner, dirtier and meaner, I think. But yeah. uh, Dusted was, um, you know, that classic era screw sound. The first two albums, you know, if you're if you're familiar with bands like Circle of Dust or Ministry, you're mm-hmm. definitely going to love that era of screw. Yes, agreed. I, I learned some things too uh, uh, from Adam Grossman and yourself, Sean. Uh, but uh, that they uh, for years I thought they were from Houston, and we get to the bottom of that. They're not from Houston. They're from. Austin. Uh, <laughs> I had to learn that the hard way. Uh, and you, Sean, r- reminded me, or actually, I, I didn't even know that they were on the first Lollapalooza, or 92? They were on the 92 Lollapalooza, I, I believe, and I think I think he actually hinted about that in the interview. Um, they were on the second stage. I remember I had a friend that went to that Lollapalooza, and uh, I was 14 at the time, so unfortunately I wasn't allowed to go. But anyways... A uh, friend came back, and, and uh, one friend told me all about Ministry, who was on that tour. And then another friend, uh, his name's Jason, he told me about Screw, and he actually had a Screw shirt. And, um, you know, that's how I learned about the band. And, of course, I learned about, you know, Ministry as well. And so uh, we went out to the store immediately and, you know, bought the albums uh, from both bands and you know Screw was was more my favorite um, I really I really liked uh, the electronics and the sampling that was in uh, on that first record Burning the Water Drowning in Flame and of course that carried over into all the other albums but mm-hmm. uh, very very uh, very good sound incredible sound very clean sounding yet uh, just loud and abrasive as hell um, just pounding drums uh, riveting drums and the bass lines, and I, I do like the rasp of his voice as opposed to a lot of the growling that's happening now. Um, but I mean, it depends on the band. I, I, I dig it with certain bands, and it, and it works, you know. But if it's overdone and everybody's copying each other, it, it loses it. It just loses its effect. Um, this was new to me back then, um, and I just I loved it. It was just so good. And uh, th- once again, Adam Grossman, who will be on in, uh, in well minutes from now. Uh, we're gonna play some samples for people out there that um, didn't. Well, samples. I'm gonna play songs that didn't, didn't that missed this along the way. We're gonna introduce new people to Screw. Once again, kids, it's Screw S K R E W. You can see them on YouTube. Um, Adam had a hard time explaining where to find his stuff. I I think they have to be on iTunes. I hope they are. But I know if you go on Amazon, it doesn't help the band. But you can find old albums there. Um, right now, I just I, I looked them up. But uh, yeah, I like having the old CDs, uh, and he had so much to, to say, and it was just very interesting talking to one of your heroes. And I think some people are going to be surprised at some of the projects he did have. Um, and I, I don't want to say names, but you're going to know some. Of the, you're going to know these people he's talking about, and you're going to know the projects and um, a certain film that he talks about. And uh, it, w- it wasn't like pulling teeth, right, Sean? 
No, absolutely not. No, he was very, very open and forward about everything. And, um, you know, I, I tried to, I tried to, you know, cover, like I said earlier, the, the full history of the band, because, you know, a lot of people may be unfamiliar with Screw. This might be their first introduction. And, yeah. you know, you kind of wanted to, there were a lot of, there were a lot of topics that, you know, growing up and listening to the band that I kind of just personally wanted to know. And, of course, you hear, you hear a lot of stuff in old interviews that he did, and you, you, um, um, you know that's that's important. But I wanted to kind of cover things that were more, you know, specific to what I kind of wanted to know personally as yeah. a fan. And um, I think it turned out well. I think I think it's uh, it was a very interesting and uh, very uh, very good interview. Yeah, this is definitely a, a show for fans. Uh, I, I play more music on this one than I played on any other show that I've done, um, as far as the bands are concerned. Uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, you know, meeting your heroes, not always a bad thing. Um, anything else you want to add here before we get into Sam I Am? I don't think so, no. I, I just, uh, you know, it was, I was surprised how easy it was to get uh, <laughs> Adam to, uh, to, to want to do the interview. Um, he was very open towards it, and, um, you know, like I said earlier, he's just a great guy to talk to, and, um, yeah. you know, had a lot of, uh, things to say. Yeah, and if you're interested, folks, mention us, of course, but um, go to uh, Screw on Facebook. That's basically Adam Grossman himself, and uh, he did respond. So um, if you like what you hear, hit him up. All right, uh, let's get into some Sam I Am. What do you think, Sean? Sounds good. All right, and thanks for listening. And once again, this was a pre-recorded show, and we had a blast. It had to air, and uh, we just wanted to add a little more to it because it was worth it, and this is uh, just going to be a favorite of mine. All right, for, without further ado, let's hear Screw, Sam I Am.
afraid of the dark, but you should be. There are things that dwell here in the dark. Things best left unseen. With the initial smoke clear from the fall of tomorrow, the blood now flows even thicker with dwelling in the dark. Eleven stories. All bits of the same mysterious puzzle. Fitting together with horrific parallels to its predecessor. Get ready for new, truly terrifying tales set in the broken world from the fall of tomorrow. Take a closer look at what's now dwelling in the dark. If you dare. Available on Amazon in traditional print and ebook. Get your copy today. Visit www.fairlydarkproductions.com for more info on the author and his work. Still here? Okay. Let's play a game. <laughs> this is Carrie Means, the voice of Frylock, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio. Hmm.
years. Now you're actually hearing the music. We got the guy. He's on right now, Mr. Adam Grossman. Um, and I have so many questions. I just don't even know where to begin. Um, <laughs> Take a deep breath. I'm trying really hard. And Sean, thank God for Sean being here right now. Um, yeah. So, like, oh, man. So, like, ah, what were you listening to before Screw happened? That's a very good question. Um, you know, a lot of people assume that uh, I was really into electronic music, but I kind of I wasn't really. And I, I came about it kind of backwards. Um, the close, I, I was a really huge Killing Joke fan. Oh, I love them. And that period of uh, mid to late 80s stuff that they did, like, a lot of really hardcore Killing Joke fans do are not big fans of like Nighttime and Brighter Than a Thousand Suns, but oh. for me, those records are so fucking amazing. Amazing. There's not anything that Killing Joke has done uh, that I don't like, you know. But I, but for me, those records, I don't know. Sometimes it's there's a time and a place that some you hear something, and it's I don't know. Um, so that's that stuff. I was listening to that stuff uh, just prior to uh, the screw thing happening. Um, yeah, man. We just heard seated, and that's so fucking aggressive. Like, where were you? Where, where was your state of mind when you like did that song? Were you like just young teen angst? I mean, I wish I could say that was the case. Um, I was old teen angst, maybe. You know, here's here's the deal. I, I remember the the moment in time that I discovered, and I remember this like it was yesterday. I remember the minute that I discovered that I could take that shit that was inside of me, and instead of self destructing with it, instead of uh, burning down the world around me with it, mm. I could channel it and create something with this guitar yes. that um, that meant something to me and so that's kind of where where this where I was at when uh, the anchor watch stuff and then the screw stuff started happening because um, I'm a drug addict I'm an, I'm an alcoholic and an addict and um, I was freshly sober when I for the first time, when I did that stuff, when I did the anchor watch stuff, and then, you know, which became the screw stuff. And so it was really about figuring out how to uh, work with, you know, the self-loathing and the fucking anger and the hatred and the shame and all of that negative shit that I didn't know how to deal with in a healthy way. That's, you know, that's that's what you ended up with. Yeah, not, just, not to mention the sickness feeling and you feel like shit. It was a big emo, a big emotional shit is what it was, what all that stuff was. It was getting rid of purging myself. Really. So screw is pretty much a purge of yourself? Uh, early, early screw, yeah, definitely. I'm sober, like I said, and then um, I went back out uh, during kind of during the making of the uh, Shadow of Doubt record. Mm, great record. Um, I, I was in a, a 
you know, the weird thing about that record is I was about halfway or three quarters of the way finished writing it, and I got in a really bad car wreck. A guy crossed over the median on a freeway and hit me head on. Sure. And it, it was me and my me and my girlfriend. It was like ten thirty in the morning. Um, in this little town between here and San Antonio. Um, so it kind of fucked me up, and I ended up on a lot of medication, a lot of pain meds, which is kind of my favorite flavor. And uh, I scrapped everything that I had written for that record and started from scratch. And so that, uh, that record is... Um, Yeah, that that record is uh, I don't know how to is say it. It's like it's you, a drug record. You doubting yourself? Uh, I wasn't doubting myself. I was just uh, in in a I would say it was kind of a low level burning hardcore depression fueled with opiates. You know? Yeah, but I'll, you. I'll tell you how fucked up it was. You found the there. best. You found the best way to get that out. As well, far as I'm concerned. I was confused about my medication at one point. I was eating. Do you know what Ambien is? Familiar. Ambien is Sean a sleep, guess, aid. Sean sleep, aid, sleep aid, I think. Aid. Sleep aid, yeah. Yeah. Well, I was eating it all day long for like years. And um, so that's how that record was made. Basically, wow. kind of sleepwalking through it. I understand that. I wrote an entire book. I call dwelling in the dark because I was doing that dwelling in the dark. Mm. It happens and it, it becomes a real entity. It takes over your life. But, um, yeah, man, you've overcome. Yeah. I'm sober again. In fact, uh, yeah, it's been, been clean, uh, now for about, uh, next Friday will be 16 years. Oh, wow. that's amazing. That's awesome. Crazy. crazy little, yeah. A little bit crazy. We'll go crazy. Uh, you know what, crazy? Let's go with a Sean question right now. That's crazy. <laughs> well, I kind of wanted to go back to between the first and the second album because, you know, when you're young and you see the artists coming out and you get to know who's in the band and or you think you know who's in the band and then all of a sudden the next album comes out and you see a lot of changes. So um, one question I always wanted to know the answer to was, um, you know, when the, you were originally in Anchor Watt and Danny Lawner was in that band and then uh – -huh. Um, the first album comes out, and you're in that with Danny and uh, Chris Holt, I think it was. And um, then the second album comes out, and it's a whole new cast and crew. And, uh, you know, obviously, I, I come to find out, uh, being on the... I went to the... My girlfriend took me to the Nine Inch Nails show for the Downward Spiral. And, mm. and I saw Danny was there, and I actually His got a His girlfriend took him and, to the Downward Spiral. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> He was on that tour playing bass, and, and then all of a sudden he's not in school anymore. And I kind of wanted to know uh, what happened there. And if, if the second part, do you guys ever still talk or friends at all through the years or no? Um, so I, I can't hear you that well, but I think I, I got the question. So when we did the first screw record, there was two of us left, like I said, from Anchor Watch. In fact, the, the first Anchor Watt album was a, we were a five piece. Um, the second Anchor Watt record, about six weeks before we were supposed to go into the studio to record, our singer and bass player quit 
And so when I, in fact, when I stepped in front of the mic to do the vocals on the second Anchor Watt record, I had never even attempted to do vocals before, like not even in a rehearsal. Like it was cold. It was, you couldn't get in front of a mic more cold than I got in front of that mic. Um, point oh, was though, we, we, we pulled off that record and, you know, like I played bass on some songs. Danny played bass on some songs. Oh man. Um, our drummer was the same drummer, uh, that we had. We both played guitar, me and Danny. And, um, so, you know, we kind of realized at that point, like, well, we can fucking pull off whatever we need to in the studio, right? I mean, you know, and in later years, it ended up that I played the majority of everything on the albums anyway. Um, but I didn't realize that I could do that back then. So, uh, yeah, so we did the first Screw record. Uh, it was me and Danny and a bunch of guys. Uh, this guy, Johnny Machine from Chicago, came in and played some live uh, percussion on the uh, some tribal stuff. He, that dude was really interesting. He uh, very nearly became the drummer for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh, wow. In fact, it was between him and the dude that got it, Chad, whatever. Chad Smith, yeah. 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 Uh, so, yeah, interesting. The funny thing is, later, uh, Danny tried to audition. Well, he didn't try, he did. He auditioned for the Red Hot Chili Peppers um, on guitar. He wanted to play guitar for the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting, but... Yeah, he's an interesting guy. I think that um, Danny's really talented uh, in terms of, uh, technically speaking, he's a good player. He's not a songwriter, but that's um, not everybody's forte, you know. Um, he's obviously really talented at what he does because he's super, super successful. And I haven't talked to him in probably, I don't know how long it's been, well over 20 years but here's I've got a good story about him joining Nine Inch Nails um, when uh, see I can't remember what it must have been the second record that we were touring and uh, we played in LA at the um, Whiskey I think it was and it was during the time that Trent was recording The Downward Spiral um, and a, another friend of mine was already in Nine Inch Nails, uh, this guy who later went on to be in Filter. And anyway, he uh, was playing keyboards. And so Trent and him and Flood came down to the show and they invited us up to their house um, after the show just to hang out or whatever, party. You know? uh, so we go up there afterwards and it's the, the Sharon Tate house, right? And, yeah, and so we're standing, I'm standing in the kitchen with Trent and Flood and a couple other people, and Trent says, you know, tonight's the anniversary of the murders. And I was like, yeah, right, you know, sure, you tell everybody that, and it comes up here. <laughs> and he goes, no, really, and he pulls out, out of the drawer next to the telephone, a copy of uh, Helter Skelter. Was the fucking anniversary of the murder? <laughs> but that night, what a dick! <laughs> yeah, he told me. He said, "Listen, I got a resume from someone that said that they played in Screw." 
And I was like, really? Who's that? And he said, Danny. I said, yeah, Danny's a great guy. And he's super talented, really, you know, good at, uh, you know, the technical aspect, computers, his, you know. So, yeah. So yeah. Danny joined Nine Inch Nails. Well, let me tell you that fantastic story. All right, we're going to get into this, and i, I got to play this for myself. We're going to do Poisonous right now because it's one of my favorites. I don't know where you are with that, Adam. Can I tell you something about Poisonous? You don't yeah, like I'm it. No, I, I do, I do. But So that song was supposed to have um, – I don't even know if I should go into this. Yeah, story. come on. Uh, all right, so we were big uh, – Ghetto Boys fans, right? Oh, yes. They were From great. Houston, Ghetto they were, Boys. Yes, of course. So we, we had arranged for uh, Mr. Scarface to fly to Chicago <laughs> to, to do this song, right? Right. Well, I mean, we had the fucking airline ticket bought, everything. We had him a place to stay. It was all set up. And we were already in Chicago, and they get at the last minute, offered oh. to replace somebody oh on the Public Enemy tour. Someone dropped off that tour last minute, I don't know what it was, and they got on, and, you know, it's like, well, I don't fucking blame the dude for, you know, <laughs> taking <laughs> the Public Enemy tour over singing on the... So, we ended up with a local guy in Chicago who did a great job. You know, we were... Alright, yeah. What is his name? It, I, you can't read it. Uh, I have the inlay. I don't fucking remember. Right? It's, uh, we're sitting here looking at the CD. It's so small in print. Yeah, I know. I have all your CDs. But, uh, well, so that the, that artwork was not made for a CD, obviously. It was made for a fucking LP. So some guy named Jack does the rap? <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember the guy's name. He was a young white kid. He was really <laughs> I think it says Reg EC. Reg EC. Assassins. Oh, Reg. Yeah, there we go. Reg was his name. That was his name. <laughs> yeah. All right, folks. Let's listen to a little poisonous. It is my favorite screw song if I go to one. All right. We'll be right back with Adam Grossman. And thank you so much, sir. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Do you like this song? I do. Yeah, it kicks ass. That riff is amazing. All right. We'll be right back.
Radio. Thank you, folks, friends, and fiends. You just heard Poisonous. My favorite Screw song. What a fun song. But man, I, I, I wow. Yeah, you know, back then, um, you know, when that material was written, we were listening, you know, we had been listening to, you know, NWA and Ghetto Boys and, and stuff like that. Fantastic. For years. And I guess, you know, it was just, I'm, I'm very groove oriented. I love <laughs> stuff with a groove. Yeah. Huge ZZ Top fan. Oh, um, perfect. They're amazing. ZZ Top can do no harm as far as I'm concerned. Perfect. You know what? I saw, um, so, I saw ZZ you know, Top. Being in Texas, you grow up with this kind of groove thing. Yes. And that's, that's also kind of, I think, common throughout a lot of screw stuff is there's a groove to it. Absolutely. Well, look at uh, Vinny and Daryl from Pantera. They created right. the metal groove. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, that whole thing that they, that those guys did, 
that was something that was happening down here and in, uh, especially in like New Orleans. Uh, there were some bands that were doing this kind of really slippery, kind of sleazy, greasy, kind of really fucking behind the beat type shit. That's, you know, when, when you're, when you got a beat happening and you're playing behind that beat, that's what makes you want to fucking move your ass. You know what I mean? That's what, that's, that's the kind of shit they play in titty bars. You know exactly. I, mean? I know Sean's got some questions right now. He's dying to ask you. Sure. Yeah. So, um, I remember, uh, either listening or reading an interview back in 2006 that, uh, you mentioned that you were recording songs with Paul Barker and Josh Hawley. And, um, you know, I wasn't sure if that music was ever released. Um, I thought maybe originally it might have been some of the material that was on his album he released for Flowering Blight, but I, I don't think in the context of that interview it, that that music maybe never came out. I wasn't sure. Right, that's exactly right. So I think that the Flowering Blight stuff was done previous to that um, because I actually played on a bunch of that stuff and uh, – sat in with Paul, you know, writing for that record. Um, but that stuff that you're referring to, um, was, it was weird how that happened actually, because I introduced Paul to Josh. Uh, Josh at the time ran a, uh, I guess it was a piercing place in a tattoo studio here. And I introduced Paul and Josh and, they got to be buddies, and I remember sitting in my house one day, on like a Sunday afternoon, there's a knock at the door, and it was Paul and Josh showed up, and they're like, we're starting a band, and you're going to be the guitar player, and I'm like, oh, is, is that right? Because in all honesty, at the time, I was, I kind of put down the guitar for a while, wasn't really interested in playing, I was doing some other stuff. Um which I do that from time to time. I'll refocus on doing visual art or writing or something. But anyway, so these guys show up and I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm very interested. And they're like, come on, come on, just come on down. So they had set up a rehearsal room and I just showed up uh, and started playing and I just was not into it at all, like not into it. Um, and it wasn't anything about them. And I just wasn't into playing guitar. I, I was just kind of not interested in it. And so I suddenly got an idea. I thought, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to make up a tuning. And so I just started fucking with the tuners on this guitar and with the strings and playing stuff. And I came up with this tuning call and it was E B C A A D. So from, Low string to high, E, B, C, A, A, D. Hmm. And I don't know, I felt inspired by that. And so I started coming up with all these parts. And uh, Paul was programming drum beats. And uh, then he'd go back and play some bass. And uh, Josh and this other guy uh, who had this band called Mentallo and the Fixer. I don't know if you remember that band. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think uh, I Sean does. Band, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. I, I missed that. I had friends that were yeah, in that band, um, but I wasn't really into their music. So that dude, they were doing making noises on you know synthesizers and shit. And then what we'd do is, uh, 
me and Paul would go in and kind of do some arrangement and some mixing and, you know, we were really into it. It was, it was actually like, you know, I said it was some of the coolest stuff that I've ever done. Hmm. Um, and, but we could never find a singer for it. And, you know, I would find someone that I liked and Paul never agreed. Paul was very particular. I don't know what it was that he was, you know, expecting. I don't know if he wanted, you know, I don't know who he wanted to sing on it, but we tried everything. We tried female singers. We tried crooners. We tried guy rock singers. I mean, we tried everything. And I mean, I heard a bunch of stuff that I thought was really cool and, you know, but he wasn't into it. So it never got finished. But like I said, I have roughs of it and it's really some of the coolest stuff I've ever written. Some of my favorite stuff I've ever done. And it will never, ever see the light of day. Wow. No, I, I feel that pain, dude. I'm a, I'm a writer, and I know there's plenty of stuff that will never see the light of day. And I'm kind of okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I am too, actually. You know, I, uh, for me, the biggest, the most important part is the creation. You know what I mean? Like, yes. that's the part the process. that is important to me. You know, whether it gets put on a record or not, I could give a fuck, to be honest. You know, um, whether anybody likes it or not, I don't care. Um, it's it's very selfish. I mean, it's it's my process, and that's what I'm into. Um, so, you know. So what mindset were you in when you did Sam I Am? Because what a fucking great song that is. Like, where were you? Like, what happened Lyrically, uh, so I'll give you, uh, so on tour, um, you know, like we talked about earlier, Screw ended up becoming kind of my thing, and I always had a bunch of guys that were playing in the band, right? And the faces changed, and people would go on to do other things or maybe they found that they didn't weren't into the idea of being on tours. It's a hard life, you know, it's difficult. Um, anyway, I, I would end up invariably like we'd be on a bus somewhere and everybody else is in the front of the bus drinking and whooping it up and listening to, you know, Willie Nelson and dancing or whatever the fuck. I don't know what they were doing half the time. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be in the back, in the back lounge, you know, and this is going to sound so cheesy, but it's true. I'd be back there, like, listening to fucking, you know, Miles Davis and reading Russian history. You know what I mean? It's that does like, not sound cheesy to me. <laughs> well, I mean, it's just because I guess because I lived that, it was just like so bizarre. But anyway, I never kind of felt like I fit in, you know, in my own band, really. Um, hmm. But so that... I found that, actually, that's very pro profound. That should be the title of your book. I never fit in my own band. <laughs> well, I, I don't know. One of my favorite quotes of all time is Groucho Marx quote, I would never be a member of a club that would have me, right? Boom. Um, there it yeah, is. I kind of, I'm a big Groucho Marx fan. Nice. But, you know, that song, Sam I Am, um, you know, all my shit – is to some degree autobiographical, um, I think, 
and but it's um, so aggressive. Yeah, and that one it was really, you know, I don't know if you're familiar with the story of what happened to the the Tsar's family when uh, the uh, Bolsheviks took over Russia. They were basically taken to a, a house where they lived um, out in the country for you know some time, and then one night in the middle of the night they were all woken up and brought into the basement and killed, shot. Damn. I mean, wow. you know, the whole family. These were teenager uh, daughters, and uh, the little boy was like 11 years old or 12 years old, something like that. Family and their, you know, their support system, their maids and butlers, the whole thing. I mean, all these people just shot, right? And I was reading this book at the time, and I, it kind of that visual, that idea really I could relate to that feeling in terms of my own experience with, um, you know, where I was at at the time in terms of, you know, not feeling like there was a lot of, uh, um, what am I trying to say? Um, you know, when you're in the music business, everybody tells you what they think you want to hear. And, uh, there's, I didn't find a lot of um, loyalty, like real loyalty. Zero. Um, yeah. and, and so it's, I think that's what that song was kind of about. Yeah, you know? I felt that listening to it. Yeah. Similar, some seething there. It's a favorite, but yeah, it's full of angst, and I, I love it for that. Um, Sean, I know you got something. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I have some other questions here. Uh, so, um, oh, I. Maybe let's jump ahead to, to the last album that came out, Universal Immolation. Mm. Um, mm. So that album came out in 2014. Um, when did you start to c- conceive of that album or to, to decide, hey, I want to I release another school record? Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I kind of never really did. Um, what happened was I got together with some guys um, just to fuck around you know, play guitar, and um, I think it was the things that were happening in the world at that time, we're talking about like 2009, 2010, 2011, Um, was 2009, no, it had to have been like 2010, 2011, 2012, in there anyway, Uh, I got really excited about some of the things that were happening in the world. Um, and I was kind of also feeling some anger about, uh, some things that were happening in the world and that are still happening. I'm, I'm kind of a politically oriented guy. I mean, in a way it was kind of like going back to my roots because when I was a punk rock kid, it was all, you know, 1984 and Reagan and blah, blah, you know, um, (laughs) Right. I mean, I, I didn't really, I was a kid. I didn't really understand. Uh, although I think I was on the right track. And so, you know, when we started seeing, when I, when I started developing an understanding of what was happening, uh, in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan and, um, what was happening with, you know, nine 11 and, um, what was happening with, uh, 
the kind of corporate oligarchy that's developing in this country. And I just felt like, you know, I've, I've got some things that I want to say, and I think maybe doing screw would be a good way of saying that. And so that's what I did um, and wrote a shit ton of songs. And I did it very differently, though, this time. Like, I took into consideration uh, other people's in the band I'm talking about interests and, um, you know, uh, abilities. Um, it was a much more band oriented record than anything that I'd ever done before. I mean, I wrote everything, but it was with the, um, with the consideration of other people, as opposed to the past screw had just basically been me with a fucking secretary in the studio doing a record. And yes, Adam Grossman. Freaking screw from Houston, motherfuckers. No, That's no, right. Ah, well. Let's get this right. Austin from Austin. Oh, now you're Austin. It says Houston every time you go on YouTube. That's probably because Mark Britton, who fucking has put a shit ton of screw <laughs> stuff on YouTube, is from Houston. Now we know. Now we know. All right, you pick the next song right now, sir. Uh, which record are we doing? Oh, whatever you want. The first four. I I would like to hear something off of. Uh, oh, I know what I want to hear. Uh, read me the song titles on. Uh, right in front Angel of us. Oh, it's right there. Oh, uh, yeah. Open up, Seaman. Oh, come on, uh, Sean. Seventh Eye, King of the Hole. Porcelain's my favorite. Oh, uh, good one, good one. Cosmos, Seeds, Sputnik. You can play Porcelain. Ooh. Yeah? Yeah, that'd, that'd be a good one. Is that your call? Yeah. All right, Porcelain it is. And we'll be right back with Adam Grossman at Kettle Whistle Radio. Thank you so much for listening, folks.
there, is there snow right now? Right now, uh, there's no snow. It's cold. It's probably like 45, 50 degrees. Um, but typically this time of year, we have, you know, maybe four or five inches of snow, and it'd be like in the 20s or 30s. And we are right, back. But... We are back on the air right now. Adam Grossman. Screw. Um, yeah, here we go. All right. Uh, you got more questions. I know you have more questions oh, I, I than have answers a, right I now. I have a ton of questions. I just yeah. don't know what kind of time hey, we have. Guys, but... I think we all have more questions <laughs> than answers. <laughs> oh, this is like a triple episode. Some We have to have you back. Yeah, so so you're, I want to kind of talk about the last album that came out, Universal Inhalation, a little bit more. Um, sure. You know, you guys kind of really amped it up on that album. It was a lot more aggressive, and I think – you originally, I think I read this, you might have originally had a different singer before the singer that maybe was on the, that recorded on the album. Is that true? Well, <clears throat> there was several singers over the years. Over the, So that record was developed over like three years of putting a band together. And, you know, I was, it wasn't something I was doing full time. You know what I mean? Like I was having a life and doing other shit. And um, so, you know, I put a band together and it took a while to gather the right guys. And, uh, we went through a couple of singers. There was one guy that I really wanted to work out, but he had a drinking problem and, it, you know, it just wasn't working. And then another guy came in from L.A. and he was just um, – emotionally not capable of, <laughs> of doing it. He kind of freaked out. I think I freaked that guy out a little bit. <laughs> I'm kind of a, you know, I seem like I'm, I think I, I, most people tell me that I seem really laid back. Um, and I think I am, but uh, I can be kind of intense too. So <laughs> with your form of music, of course you are. Of yeah. course you well, are. And that was the thing that this guy, this one guy, he was just like, he was like, he told me straight up. Um, at one point, he said, "Man, I, he said this this shit makes me feel fucked up." He said, "I oh. I don't like the way it makes me feel." And I was like, "Fuck you!" Yeah, uh, I've heard that before. Being a little bitch. Yeah, Let's that that do this shit. That's a bitch move. I hate that too. This music it. is supposed but to make reality, you feel something. Yeah, else. you're supposed to feel something. But the reality was he really couldn't fucking hack it, man. He really couldn't do it. So, you know, we ended up using this guy who uh, was – I met through the guy that was producing the record who had done live sound for Screw for a bunch of years in the 90s. And so that guy came on to do the, the record and – um, he was really fucking great, uh, young guy. Um, he's really great to work with. I mean, he took direction really well. Um, I mean, I fucking line by line told him how to fucking deliver the shit. And he was like, <laughs> he really fucking followed direction. And he was so cool because he was like, dude, you're, you're asking me to do things I've never done before. And I said, well, you know, what do you think about that? And he said, it's I'm becoming a better singer by doing this. And I'm like, fuck yeah, man. That, that's, you know, that's the right attitude. I mean, you know, I, I come in life raising the fucking bar. I'm not sitting on my laurels. You know what I mean? Like I'm not 
that's how I come at every day is I'm raising the fucking bar on myself. You know, when I go do, I went to yoga earlier and like I fucking push myself so I fucking get a good workout. I don't just fucking go through the motions, you know, and I think too many people just go through the fucking motions and they make this meaningless fucking, you know, noise that's just doesn't mean anything. So I don't know. Yeah. Agreed. And yoga is hard too. It's, it's not Agreed. easy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got, I know you got, oh, one. Yeah. you got a, you got a doozy. Right so there. in answer to your question, I apologize. I fucking went off on a tangent. Yeah. There were several singers. There was, you know, and a lot of people are like, well, why didn't you sing? Because I had sang on all the previous screw records and that was not, my choice like I never wanted to be a singer I always wanted to be just a guitar player guitar that's player. what I do yeah. um, and then I've, I've had some physical issues with uh, cancer I had uh, in 2011 I lost a kidney I'm sorry uh, to hear that I did yeah, not know okay. that I'm, you know I'm, I'm doing great with one um, okay. and then uh, a couple years later uh, they found some shit in my esophagus so i you know, had a bunch of treatments there and it's just got to the point where, um, I just can't do what I used to be able to do anymore. You know? Been, been there, my friend, actually everything you just said, been there. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's not fun, but you know, if you do what you got to do and you take care of business, you get through it, you know? Yeah. Well, your music helps us get through it. Yeah. Um, we, we have to pick a song to go out with. Um, I have no idea at this point. There's so many good tunes. Um, what would you go out with, like right now? You're yeah. asking me? Yeah. I want to say the title track to the last record. Which would be? Universal Immolation. Boom. All right. You heard it here first. All right. Where do we find you, Mr. Adam Grossman? Where do we find me? Yeah, man. Plug it. Austin, Texas. Uh, that's it. Yeah, that's come on. It. Screw, though. How do we find you? Screw? Yeah. Uh, there's not a website or anything, so I don't know. You have to look, do some research on the internet. <laughs> All right. You're just like me and Sean. I terribly unprepared, and I apologize. No, nah, that's <laughs> fine. There's always a second time. No, we so appreciate you being on. Kettle Whistle Radio. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Great time, man. Great time. Sean, anything like in closing? Yeah, I mean, I would want to, you know, do you think eventually you would uh, be into putting another screw record out or is that something in the future or do you think you're, uh, you know, artistically in other places right now? Well, I'll tell you, there, there's a project um, that is in the early stages of discussion um hmm. whether whether it's going to be screw or not i'm not sure but i can tell you this that it will be by far the heaviest thing that i've ever done or participated in in my life and it's going to be multi uh so it's going to be not just music it's going to be visual um i'm if, it, if everything comes together i'm super fucking excited about it i'm actually working with a producer like a film producer on this so oh we didn't bring up one thing 
<laughs> uh, can we? Um, AI? Can we talk about that for a second? AI. Oh, yeah, the movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in it. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah. Okay. So you did one song, and you're in the movie. I am in the movie, yes. That was actually a fucking <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm taking baby steps here. <laughs> yeah, so do you want me to talk about that experience? Uh, sure. Is there some reluctance to have me talk about oh, it? Oh, well, only if you have it. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I don't mind talking about it. So here's the funny thing. So... <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't even in ministry at the time. <laughs> you said you said the M word. Yeah. So I wasn't in that M word. I, you know, I recently told someone uh, they'd asked about what I'd done musically, and I said, "Well, I did this, I did that, I played in this ministry for a minute," and they were like, "Oh, you were in a religious band." I said, <laughs> Not really, no. Um, but anyway, so I wasn't even in the band, but. They asked me to come do this movie, right? I don't know why they fucking wanted me. I don't think there was anybody <laughs> in the band. It was me. It was uh, so. At the time, the band consisted, I think, of Al and uh, Paul Barker, and then you know Dwayne, who had done some studio stuff with Ministry. I think he had toured with them maybe before. Did the keyboards and. Then uh, Max Brody, who's this awesome dude uh, from here in Austin. I think he lives in Seattle now. Uh, he played drums in the movie, and they asked me to come and play guitar, right? So it was a movie band. <laughs> and it was awesome because we actually did write that song together um, that's in the movie uh, in Paul's uh, home studio at the time. Um yeah, and so when we were there doing the movie, like, Al thought I was really great on stage. And this is, he's got a good eye. He said, you're really great at this. He said, you should play in ministry. And I said, okay. <laughs> so for a minute. <laughs> you said okay. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is I, I was quote-unquote in the band for like three years and did nothing but record a record. And then when it came time to go on the road, I was just like kind of over it. Um, so, yeah. There it is. Thank you for you that. Thank you so much for that. Adam Grossman. Screw. Guys, look it up. Get the back Thanks. catalog. Find I, me. I really appreciate your, your you know, your enthusiasm. Your oh, no, we, we freaking love you, dude. You're like, seriously, Screw is one of my favorite bands of all time. Yeah, very yeah, very influential just, on me too. Just yeah, it, it, it's just there. It's just like amazing stuff, and it it was there when I needed it. That percussion, the fucking bass, the rhythm, like in in your vocals. I hate to say it, are better than a lot of industrial metal people. What do you think, Sean? Yeah, a lot of bands, you know, I thought tried to really kind of emulate the screw sound, that ministry sound, you know, the, that time period and. You know, it was never it was never done, uh, no. you know, too much justice. I would say. No, not justice. Uh, I really appreciate you guys saying that because I always felt that was kind of the weak link of the band. No, 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 wrong. 
<laughs> Telling the guy that created the band. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're wrong about that. Uh, we love it. Keep doing it. I can't wait for the next thing. And um, uh, all right. So again, so we can't find you anywhere. So I'm going to say find me at fairlydark.com. Um, of course. Uh, what about Facebook? Oh, well, go for There's it. There's a screw thing on Facebook, I think. Um, still. Yeah, that's how we found you. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm really terrible at that shit. I don't know. That's my manager uh, does all that Facebook stuff. You got to fire him. What, a, yeah, what no, about the. Uh, he's great at it. I let him do it. I know. I'm kidding. What about when the, the new thing potentially comes about? We could do a part two. Oh, hell yeah. Say that again? Part two. Part two, when uh, when you have the new uh, the new uh, band or whatever it is together. Listen, I'm, I'm happy to help you guys out in any way. This is it's fun. I never even think about this stuff, so it's <laughs> kind of like a fun way to reminisce. Oh, we agree. We, we agree. We appreciate it. And uh, of course, find all our shows at www.society13-dash. Society-13.com. <laughs> I forget. Um, and, of course, my stuff is at www.fairlydarkproductions.com. And I appreciate you guys listening. We're going to hear more from Screw in the future. And we're going to go out with what? Did we? Uh, Universal Immolation. Universal Immolation. Rock. All right, man. Hey, Adam Grossman, thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right. Yeah, I'm going to give you the strong right now. All right. Thanks for doing this. Really yeah, man.
Hi, I'm Lessa Gaudet, host of Her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An Electric Cast production. See you there.